And Father, we come to You tonight. And Lord, I please bring manna down from heaven. Please let us eat from the bread of life, You, Jesus. Please let us understand these scriptures thoroughly, that they would be hidden within us, that we would not forget You, Lord. That we'd be able to apply these things to our lives. That we'd be changed forever. Oh Lord, please, let Your Spirit fall upon this place in a new and fresh way. Let us learn and understand exactly what You have to say. Thank you for hearing me, King. Bless this time in your name. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. Well, we know, chapter 1, remember? Overview of the seven days. Remember, it's the overview. It's looking over all that was established there within those seven days. Chapter 2. Remember, telescope, it's like a close-eye view. It's like zooming in on what was happening in the creation. Chapter 3, the story begins. We see Adam and Eve being made there in chapter 3 and the game beginning. Then being tempted, chapter 4, Cain and Abel. You know the story? Through and through. Cain is Cain. Chapter 5, we see the genealogy. The whole gospel message sitting right there in the genealogy from Adam to Noah. Truly amazing. In Genesis chapter 6, as we looked at last week, we saw the sons of God and we saw Noah come into play. And we saw the flood and we looked at the ark, or we haven't looked at the flood yet, but we looked at the ark and how all the animals could possibly fit in there and the different things that align and parallel the types, the pictures of Jesus found within chapter 6, the ark. And now we're on chapter 7 here. Chapter 7... We come back to Noah, of course. Noah, we're still here with him, and he is about to jump into the ark. He's about to get in. The ark has been built. Remember, the ark was 450 feet long, right? 40 feet high and 75 feet wide. The ark was huge. It could fit 562 boxcars within it worth of space. It was plenty of room to, fill, to put every single animal in there and have much space left over for extra feed and food for them. It was not a problem getting all that in there. Noah's Ark is said to be found on Mount Ararat in Turkey. A lot of explorers looking after it and trying to see if that is really true. Noah's Ark being a picture of the rapture or the end times. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, it will be just like in the days of Noah when you'll see my return. Just like in the days of Noah. Remember we looked at the multiplying of men last week. How a mass amount of men multiplied so quickly in Noah's day. They say there could have been up to like 22 billion people on the face of the earth at that time. And now we are getting closer and closer and closer to that time. Knowing that what? Every single... What is it? Every... Every 15... No, gosh. What is it now? I can't remember the statistic. Every year our population doubles. Every 15 years our population doubles. 15 years. Every 15 years the population is doubling. Amazing. And all the way from the day Noah got off the ark to 1867, remember? 
There hadn't even been a billion people on the face of the earth, and all of a sudden a billion people. The people start to multiply like crazy. Within 30 years, from 65 to 95, we see what? Three billion people happen like that. And now every 15 years, we see our amount about to double. It's getting crazy. The times are crazy. It'll be just like in the days of Noah. And what a great picture we're going to be able to look at tonight, with Noah getting in the ark with his family, and the flood happening, and the, the, the animals getting in. A great picture of the end times and what's about to happen with us. Jesus is coming, my friends. Jesus is coming. And the, today, if, if the day might be today, truly. You know that, and I know that too. See, Josh, you say that all the time. But you know what? If the day is today, then we're out of here maybe at 9.02. And we'll never see this earth again. You'll never touch these couches again. Maybe in the millennial rain, if this house is still here, it hasn't blown off the face of the earth. We come back and have a Bible study here. Amen. We'll meet together again. But one of these days, we're going to be in heaven with the king forever and ever and ever. Genesis chapter 7, Noah. Bringing rest and peace to the poor and lowly Noah. Chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For you have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Let's stop there. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come into the house, into the ark. For you have been righteous before me in this generation. Why was Adam even be I mean Adam, I'm sorry. Why was Noah even able to be righteous? Well, just like Abraham, remember? Romans chapter 4, verse 9. It says that Abraham was accounted righteousness to him. Why? Because he believed by faith. It wasn't by the works that he did. It wasn't, remember Paul says, it's not because he's circumcised or uncircumcised. That wasn't the thing. It wasn't a work that did it. What are you talking about, Josh? Noah, it wasn't by the good things that he did that got him to heaven. Because God says our, our righteousness before him is as filthy rags. Your works are as filthy rags. It doesn't matter how many old ladies you help across the street. The sin is so huge in your life that it's filthy rags before me. And the same thing with Noah. He believed God. Remember in, the, in, in verse 8 of chapter 6, I believe, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not Noah found favor. Not Noah found favor. Does God have favorites? Does God give favorites to certain people all over the earth like I like him better than him? He was favored in my eyes. Over No, no, no. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. I love the way the King James put it. He found grace. He looked into God's eyes and saw grace. He found grace. He saw grace. And God accounted him righteous. Why? Why does God account us righteous? Why does he say that we are righteous or just? Justified. Made just as if we'd never sinned. Because of what Jesus has done for us, of course. And the same way with Noah here. Righteous, and that is why he was able to come into the ark. Raptured off the face of the earth. Him being taken off the earth, and the flood comes and destroys the earth. Do you understand the picture there? The ark, salvation. The ship of salvation. Noah going in the ark, and finding salvation. Being saved from destruction. In verse 2, of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens 
the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. And the fowls of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Verse 2 and 3 here. Now see, I thought it said that they went in two by two, Josh. Why is it saying taking them by seven now? Well, I just found out earlier that actually this is something that was big time debated a little while ago, I guess. I'm not sure. Jay, know how long ago? About 50 years ago. 50 years ago it was brought to the courts, and they had this big dispute about it. Actually, scholars, pagan scholars brought this in, or non-believers, brought this in and said, you know, look at this, you know, the Bible's incorrect. They brought it before a judge trying to drop kick the Bible, and guess what? You know, the judge looked at them like, you idiots. Yeah, they brought in seven, but why? You need to understand why, and the explanation is in chapter 8, but I'm just going to give you a brief explanation now, because we're not going to be looking at chapter 8 tonight. But they're like, see, I thought look, the Bible's contradicting itself here. I thought it said it took him in two by two, right? And now it's saying he took in sevens? Well, yeah. He took in two by two the unclean animals. He took in seven the clean animals and the birds of the air. Why? Well, number one, sacrifice. There still needed to be sacrifice in this time. Sacrifice needed to be brought to the table, of course. And number two, for barbecue, my friends. <laughs> They need something to eat, too. They need meat to eat, also. And that's why it says to bring the clean, you see, not the unclean, the clean animals on sevenfold, or seven. Interesting. Verse 4. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. We'll stop there. Verse 4. Do you see that? He added seven more days, God did. A hundred and twenty years God gave the people. Remember? Back in, I believe it was the last chapter, Genesis chapter 6, when God said, Man's days will be 120 days. That doesn't mean man is going to live to be 120. That means that he has 120 years left until the flood comes. And so 120 years left, it comes a week, or when the flood is going to come. And guess what? God says, you have seven days, Noah, and I will bring judgment on this earth. So if you were Noah standing there and God revealed to you seven days left, what would you do? Well, of course, you start running around. Hey, listen up, everybody. There's only seven days left, and the flood's going to come. Say the rapture is going to come on Sunday. And it was Monday. Say it's going to come next Monday. Seven days. Tuesday, I'm sorry. We do a full week, but anyways. Say seven days, and the first day starts, and guess what? Here we go, the timer starts... It starts right now. I, I reveal to you, God speaks, hey, listen up, seven days left, and the flood is going to come. And you heard the voice of the Lord. You heard Him speak to you clearly. You understand that it was Him. You know that it was Him thoroughly, through and through. By different things that happen in your life, or the audible voice of God speaking to you, you just know it's the voice of God speaking, and you know it's going to happen seven days from now. We would truly be lunatics. And we would truly go out of our way to share with our friends and family in some way trying to get them into the kingdom. 
Or maybe more than that, we would just go and start loving like never before. All of a sudden, we would be different people. We'd be radically changed. We would change on the spot, wouldn't we? We would give up so much. We would change so much in each one of our... We would examine ourselves thoroughly and see, man, I've been talking smack on them or doing this to the boss or doing this to the family or trying to get things right everywhere, trying to build back every bridge. And why aren't we doing that to now, today, right now, in this time? We should be. There should be no reason. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. There's no reason why we shouldn't step out and start doing it now. Of course, it's not how, it's now. Stop asking how and start doing it right now, right? Yeah, but this doesn't happen, and they did this, this and that. Hey, rapture's happening in seven days. Oh, snap, I'm on it. All of a sudden, everything changes. Whole perspective is different. Raven Hill. They're sitting there on the way to the beach. And who, that's who it was. He's reading one of Raven Hill's books, and he brought to the table, he said, you know, that famous illustration, that actually true story where the man was sitting on death row, and he's getting ready to die, and he's walking, getting ready to be, you know, get the electric chair or hung or whatever it was, and he heard a priest reading a passage, and it was speaking about how, it was speaking of hell and how people are going to burn and die there in agony. And that convict said, is that true? And he said, yeah, it's true. He says, if I believed that was true, I'd crawl on glass on my hands and knees all the way across the oceans to go and find and tell somebody about this Jesus so that they can be saved. If what you speak of is true, this hell is really real, then I would truly go and do that for anyone to share the message with them. My friends, I bet you Noah in an instant, as soon as he heard that, seven days. I wonder if they called him Madman Noah. Because he walked around on his knees, crawling, pleading and begging, please just get on the ark with me, please. Maybe he tried to drag a couple people on and said, get away from me. Maybe he'd yell and scream at him because he was so angry and bummed out in his heart with them. Don't you understand? There's only two days left now. There's only five hours left. Get on the ark. And I ask the question to you tonight, and me, myself too, why is the passion not there for us? Why are we not burning inside every single day? Have we forgotten what we've been saved from? Have we forgotten where we were going to burn one time? And I thought about hell. What is hell? What if hell it really is actual burning fire? But even more than that, think about being separated from God. Like in a dark black room, you can't see anything and you're sitting there. And you can't be saved ever for the rest of your life. And all that's ran through your mind for the rest of your life is all the opportunities you had to get saved. All the, all the times that God reached out to you, or all the times that God tried to get your attention. Maybe you're looking at the flowers and the trees. I wonder if there's a God out there. 
All the opportunities and times. And those run through your mind constantly. How it was so easy to get into heaven. Remember, God wants to, I believe, sneak people through the back door. He loves his kids so much. The Father loves his kids, and he wants them all to be there. He loves them. He loves them. And may we have the heart of God. May we know His love and start to love in that way. And the way I believe Noah was trying to in that day. Seven days. salvation right there on the spot. Be saved from the disaster and then seven more days is given or a seven year tribulation period where God pours out His wrath on a Christ rejecting sinful world. You know it. Trying to get their attention. Trying to get them to come to know Him. Corrective surgery. And at the end of the seven years, at the end of the seven days, what happens? The battle of Armageddon. The king comes back with you and me and wipes out everything. And in the same way here, we see seven days pass. A great parallel, a great picture. And when the seven days are over, that door shuts. And no one can come anymore. No one can come anymore. The flood comes and destroys everything. Let's go to verse 5 there, huh? And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. I love it. Oh gosh, I love it. He did everything the Lord commanded him to. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the waters was upon the earth. And verse 7, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. Stop there. Verse 7. Noah went in, and I love the phrase there, that they went in with him. Noah went in, and they followed him. The, the father went in, and the family followed. I can't remember the statistics are, but it's like, if a wife is a Christian and a husband is not, the chance of the whole family becoming a Christian is like, it's like 90%. If a husband is a Christian and the wife is not, the chances of everybody becoming a Christian is like the exact opposite. It's like 80 or 90% chance that the entire family will be converted. And we see in Acts chapter 16, the, the jailer, you remember the story where Paul's sitting there with Silas and remember they're singing spiritual hymns and all of a sudden an earthquake happened and all the, the gates break open and the walls fall. And what happens? The jailer 
looks and says, oh snap, all these guys are going to get all, all the prisoners. And so what does he do? He takes out the sword and remember he's going to kill himself. Because he knows if all those guys got away, all those prisoners got away, guess what? He's getting tortured. He's getting jacked up, maybe crucified. And so he pulls out a sword to kill himself. And what does Paul do? Hey, 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 hey. Hold on, my man. Everybody's here. Nobody's going anywhere. Is anybody going anywhere? No, nobody's going anywhere. It's okay, man. You don't have to kill yourself. And what does he do? What? And he runs over and he falls on his knees. Remember, he says, what must I do to be saved? He can't believe the love of Paul. He can't believe the dedication of Paul. Paul and Silas in prison, they're singing worship. That's awesome. And what happens? The man comes to Christ and Paul says, If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Or if you call on God, you'll be saved. And, and your family too, he says. And it says, right, let me read that for you. I have it written down, I believe. It says this, So they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, or Paul says this, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. I love it. He came to Christ and the family came to Christ. No one on the ark and all of his family followed. Guys, we have great opportunity for this next generation. I was just talking to Larry the other day in there. And he was talking about how he just wants to change this whole generation. And it's like, dude, ain't going to happen. Everything's going so downhill, so fast, you, you got no chance. He's like, yeah, we could do this and that. It's like, well, I, I don't know about that. It's going to take so much work because of all the distractions. We have like TV and computers and how just everything is, it just feels like the wickedness is so high in our culture today. How could we possibly raise such godly children that would impact an entire generation? Then I started thinking about that. I was like, man... If I could try to pour into my kids and love on them in such a way that they would be, you know, a couple John Corsons or Chuck Smiths or whatever, and just love on them and just show them the way, and maybe they fall away for a bit and they come back, and whatever spiritual gifts they have, maybe not as big, and oh, yeah, but where they would be faithful, man, to the king, really chasing after him, and make a difference on, what, a hundred people in their lifetime? And if we all started living like that, made decisions in our life to do that, I believe, my friends, that we could change this generation. And that it starts today, right now, in this moment. It starts in us taking charge of what's going on in our families, in our lives. When I was hanging out with John in the desert, man, I was so astonished to see that it's like every single person in his family loves the Lord. There's nobody that doesn't. I was like, Lord, I want that. Why isn't it like that in my family? Why am I not making that kind of difference? I want that. Is that just, that's just coincidence, Josh. Really? This whole family? What's going on there? Talking about how uncle so-and-so's doing this, and aunt so-and-so's doing that, and great so-and-so, and, and cousin this. and It's just awesome. When you raise a godly family and you make a decision... There may be something awesome awaiting. A great generation to follow. Let's continue to read. Verse 8. 
of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and fowls and everything that creepeth on the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days, or literally in the Hebrew there, on the seventh day, that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Verse 11, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broke open, and the windows of heaven opened. It's a cool word there. That word windows is actually meaning, that the, the root word behind that is actually as if something was closed, and then all of a sudden it was opened. And you know, you know the theory. They, the canopy all the way around the earth, that God actually like ripped it off or, or pulled it away somehow, and the, the windows of heaven actually broke open. Something was closed, and now it's been opened, and now it's just gushing down like crazy. It's pouring down from the sky. And we know water also broke, in, broke up from the ground, and water burst out of there also. And verse 12, And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And the, the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. And verse 14, And they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. So they went unto Noah into the ark, two and two, of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. I like that. Where is the breath of life in the ark? I love that. Seems like Noah's repeating himself here, and like, no, why are you doing that? You know, why do you keep speaking about two by two and keep repeating yourself? I don't exactly know the answer to that question. I was pondering it myself, and I was thinking, possibly Noah's sitting there, and he's writing things down as time goes on, and writing and writing and writing. I'm sorry, Moses, as he's recording these things. Maybe he pauses for a minute and continues to write later and repeats things and puts down things. I haven't figured out the reason, I guess divinely, if that's a word, why God would put that there and repeat it twice. But maybe you know the answer. Maybe you can seek after the answer. Verse 16. And they that went in, went in male and female, all of flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. The Lord locked him into place. Can you imagine that? Let's check the scenario. First of all, all the animals walking into the ark. Can you imagine seeing this sight? How could this possibly happen? Animals going in two by two. What, are they walking single file? They're actually under control. Well, I mean, you see dogs and you see all kinds of animals trained up. I'm sure the creator of the heavens and the earth could... Say to one, he told a whale to go and swallow Jonah or a giant fish. Commanded a donkey to open his mouth and talk. I'm sure God could do whatever he wants. And he did do that. And he brought these animals in there. He brought them in there two by two. And I wonder what the people on the outside were saying then. If all of a sudden you saw an ark and you saw two by two animals start rolling in this ark, 
You think that would be a great enough sign for everybody to say, oh snap, there's a God, what are all those animals walking up in the ark for? How is Noah doing that? Doesn't look like he's having to pull and jerk them and get them in there, all of a sudden they're just walking in. Doesn't make any sense. But it wasn't a big enough sign, was it? Just like now on this day. People don't believe. Look at how easy of it, it is. This is the dispensation of grace. This is the time period when you can just call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It's easy. It's simple. You don't even have to pray a prayer. Did you know that? You don't have to pray anything. Look at, I just looked at this two, day, two three days ago with Philip and the eunuch. Do you remember? He stands there and he says, you know, I don't understand the scriptures. What's going on here? And so Philip tells him about it. What is it, J chapter 9? Let me read it to you. It's, it's very interesting. I love it. This is the perfect illustration of I believe. Bringing someone to the king. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's easy. It's wonderful. Chapter 9, it's verse 37. Actually, let me start in verse 36. Let me just read it to you. Just listen closely. I'll try to de King, King James it for you. As they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said to Philip, See, here's water. What do, what do stop me from being baptized, or what do hinder me from being baptized? He says, Hey, Philip, why can't I be baptized right now? And he says, This is why. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. You can be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what Philip said. I mean, that's what the eunuch said. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up to the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Amazing. He just said, hey, if you believe in all your heart, you can be baptized. And so what did he say? He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Was that a prayer? No. He just said it. Philip baptized him and he was saved. Amazing. I love walking up to people and saying that. Do you believe that if you believe in all your heart that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that he rose from the dead. That's a hard thing to believe, remember? Rising from the, rising from the dead, who could believe that? But if you believe that, you can be saved. I believe that. I confess it with my mouth. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Boom. Easy as one, two, three. I walk up to somebody. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died on the cross and that He rose from the dead? Yes. Amen, my man. You're going to heaven. Get over here. Let's pray a prayer to the King. Why don't you pray? Why don't you just talk to God? Or, and then I'll pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Johnny and bringing him into the kingdom. Just pray that you be with him and pray that he will start following after you with all of his heart, mind, and soul. And I believe that he will. Did Philip follow up on this man? No, he disappeared right before his eyes. And we know the king, our king, did the follow-up on this man. Amazing. It's not as hard as you think, my friends. It's so simple, so easy to get into heaven. God has made it so easy. The easiest thing you could ever do on the face of the earth to get into heaven. Because when you see how easy it is, you will fall on your face and say, you are the king.
When the Mormon sees, you mean I didn't have to go and knock on doors for two years? Nope. You're in, my man. I can't believe it's that easy. It's easier than anything. And it's greater than anything. The easiest thing you do, the greatest present you could ever get. Doesn't make any sense. But that's our king. That's our Jesus. That's awesome. You shut him in. Let's finish this up. There's a couple things I'm just going to point out. And we'll be done. I'm sorry this is so... This chapter doesn't have much to it, but it's... It's a lot of info. Not much application. Little things here and there. But take the meat and spit out the bones, if you would. Verse 17... And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the water and the waters increased and bare up to the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. How high? Well, a sphere. If you actually took the earth and you flattened out all the mountains, and it was in a, a perfect sphere, there would actually be enough water to cover the entire earth a mile deep. That's how much water we have on the earth, and that's how much water would have broke open on that time. It says a couple verses now. Let's keep reading. The waters prevailed, verse 18, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face, went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the water prevail, and the mountains were covered. Fifteen cubits, that's about 22 to 25 feet. That means higher than the highest mountain, it was higher than the highest mountain and about covered about 20, 20 to 25 feet um, above the highest mountain. And that's why scientists are puzzled, because up in the Himalayas they find fish frozen up there. Now what are fish doing at the top of the mountain frozen? There's only one explanation. There must have been a flood, my friends. And like we said before, a couple of the guys, some of the guys are going to try to pull together a flood account. Of all the 500 different uh, 500 legends or stories or myths or things that they put together. Just It seems like every single culture, remember we talked about last week, every single culture looks back and says there was a flood. There was a time when waters covered all the earth. Whether they're off a little bit or on correctly, everybody points to it, but we don't have one document or one book showing evidence for all this. And so some of our guys are going to put that together. Praise the Lord. I thought it would be cool to put together a book of all the crazy things that we see in nature, like a Romans chapter 1 book, like man is without excuse because look at nature and how amazing that it is. Like some cool little facts. Let me read a couple to you that I pulled up. How does the bee make his honey? Is it a natural thing for him to do? He knows to go to different flowers and bring back nectar. As he does this, he moves from flower to flower, cross-pollinating the flowers, but that does not, is not his purpose. His purpose is to bring the nectar back to feed the hive. Who teaches them how to make honey? They simply know. God taught them. And who teaches them how to put together a six-sided hive? How do they put together mathematically? It's perfect. They simply know. God taught them how to build it. Also, when the bees, let's see, how do the bees know where the flowers are that they have been to, that have nectar? Check this out. A bee, 
when a bee goes and finds nectar, they'll go back to the hive and they'll do a little dance. I don't know what kind of dance it is, but snap, they dance. And when they dance, all the bees can look and watch the dance, and they know exactly where that flower is now. How does that work? It's over there. I know where it's at now. How does that work? It doesn't make any sense. You know, why are the swallows of San Juan Capistrano coming and going on the same day every single year? How are they leaving that place on the same day and going to another place and then leaving this place on the same day and the same day every single year and then they come in? How do they know? Even during leap year, that's right. Even during leap year. It doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't the days be off? You know, an ant. An ant has no instruction. It's never told what to do. It's born and it just instantly knows what to start doing. It goes and starts gathering food and bringing it back. It just does that. It just that's just what it does. Truly amazing. The emperor penguin stands there and the mother will go and lay eggs. You know, they hang out in like thousands. You know, all in tuxedos. They all look the same. Lay an egg. The mom will lay an egg. Then she'll go on a frenzy and eat like mass and mass and mass amounts for a couple months. And the, the father will come and sit on this egg and keep it warm. Now, out of all that, I mean, you think animals are dumb, but they're not. Out of all the thousand white tuxedos, she comes back to the exact spot, to the exact same place. She'll go off and swim off and go and hunt. Uh, just go off on a frenzy for three months and come back to the exact same spot, her exact same husband, know exactly who it is. All tuxedos doesn't make any sense. More than that, there's a... Uh, I don't know, I think it's a stork that has babies, flies to Hawaii, and chills in Hawaii. The babies hatch, somehow know to go and meet their parents exactly in Hawaii. It doesn't make any sense. What is a cross doing on the back of a donkey? That's amazing. I would love to compile all these crazy little things. That, a ladybug. Did you know that a ladybug... It's not supposed to be able to fly. The body-to-wing ratio doesn't work. If you did that with an airplane, the weight-to-wing ratio, it would not fly. It would never fly. But for some reason, it does. It's the fingerprint of God on every single thing. You just got to find it. And our king is truly amazing. The way he puts this game together, no man is without... Excuse. They had no excuse. Fish being at the top of the mountains. Open your eyes, my friends. There was a flood. And the Bible records it perfectly. Down to a T. The Bible doesn't claim to teach science, but when it talks about science, it is 100% accurate on everything that it says. Everything. Man, I better stop. Are you going to Let's finish this. And all the fish died. Verse 21. I'm sorry, flesh. Fish. How could fish die in a flood? Verse 21. And all the flesh died that moved upon the earth, both fowl and of cattle, and beasts of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life. 
I put the question there, why not the mouth? I don't know, figure it out. And all of that was in the dry land died. And every living substance, substance was destroyed which was on the face of the ground, both man and cattle and every creeping thing. And the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him on the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. A hundred and fifty days. Noah was in that ark, and he did not hear the voice of God the whole time. Noah actually didn't hear the voice of God for 190 days, being there on that ark. All of a sudden, he heard the voice of God. Oh, snap, seven days, it's going to happen, boom. All of a sudden, the door closes, everything's happening, everything's happening, then all of a sudden, he's sitting there in that ark. 190 days pass. hundred and ninety days before he can get out of the ark. I'm sorry, before he hears the voice of God, not before he gets out of the ark. hundred and fifty days before he gets out of the ark. But hundred and ninety days until he hears the voice of God again. I wonder, for those forty days that he was off the ark, was he saying, what am I to do now, Lord? I'm here by myself. What's going on in life? Where am I to go next? And that's a great testimony for us, isn't it? Maybe the floods have happened in your life, maybe wiped everything out. Or maybe the floods are coming. And maybe you've heard the voice of God clearly in your life at certain times and you know exactly what to do. But other times, say, hey, we're all in the dark. Abraham, the friend of God, only heard God's voice twice audibly. The friend of God, twice audibly. I believe that God speaks to us here many times where it's not audibly what we can understand and know His heart and what He's saying. And maybe you don't hear the voice of God in your life right now. Maybe you don't know what's going on. Maybe you don't know where to go or what to do. Continue to seek His face. Continue to be faithful. Do not lose hope. Don't waste your time waiting on longing for, lo- longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. F. B. Meyer. Focus on the little things in each day. Just be faithful in those things. No hammer at one board at a time with that gopher wood. One piece at a time. Maybe you're not hearing the voice of God, and I don't think Noah heard the voice of God all those 120 years, audibly. 120 years to build that ark, 100 years. And he just did what he was supposed to do faithfully. And so the message to you, the manna from me, the bread from heaven for us today, is you just do what you're supposed to do in each day. And what is that? You bless the king. The number one commandment. You know it. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, and soul. Not people. Don't try to do your ministry. You'll get bummed out. You do what God has called you to do. You love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. You bless him in the morning. You spend time with him, and your life will be changed.
you be faithful to him and one day you'll have an ark. And it will be sailing upon waters when everything has been destroyed but you have been lifted up. Because you've been faithful. Don't miss it. Be faithful. Be faithful. I want you guys to be blessed. I want you to walk away with much. And I want you to miss out on the awesome ark that God has for you to build in your lifetime. Take this one day at a time, one nail, one piece of wood. I don't feel like I'm doing anything, Josh. I'm just sitting here, you know. Hey, hey. you just remain faithful. Remain faithful each day. you being faithful is just spending time with the Lord and singing a couple songs to Him and praising Him and talking to Him, then that is your duty, just like in Enoch. And you'll be taken off the face of the earth because God was well pleased with you. That's okay. You do what you're supposed to do. I know you'll be blessed. I know you will be.